to the Coaches Impact Podcast. Our mission is to get better OADB. That's right, on a daily basis. The Coaches Impact is the X's and O's of personal and professional growth. We'll talk about character, standards of excellence, core values, mindset, leadership, and many other topics on our way to living a growth mindset. Together, we'll embark on the journey of getting 1% better every day. Get ready to be inspired and gain insights into the power of coaching and the importance of cultivating a growth mindset. Get ready to broaden your impact. Let's go. the Coaches Impact Podcast. It's great to be back with you after about a three, four week uh, stint of being off. I hope everyone enjoyed the Christmas holiday and the New Year's holiday and that you had a great time with family and friends and and unlike me, stayed away from the crud that's going around. But here we are. I'm excited to be back with you starting 2024 with an extra special episode impact 024 and for this one we don't have a head coach for you we don't have athletic directors or the like we have what some might call the head coach of the households we have two coaches wives on with us today to talk a little bit about uh, the coach's impact and the family impact uh, that is life of a coach so today's episode is the flip side no X's and O's this week. Uh, we're talking with the people who keep everything afloat when life is crazy during the season. We're going to talk to a couple of wives and get a different perspective on our impact journey. Joining me today is the Rock of the Zeller household, Rochelle. Also joining in on the conversation today is Christy Carey, wife of Brazoswood head football coach, Joe Carey. All right, welcome to the show, ladies. Let's dive in. Awesome. Thanks for having us. It's great to be here. <laughs> This is already fun. <laughs> All right, let's start by getting to know each of you just a little bit better. Uh, Christy, let's start with you, and then Rochelle can jump in after you. Just kind of tell us you know, a little bit about yourself. What do you do uh, as far as career goes? And then how you came to be a coach's wife. Awesome. Well, I um, my name's Christy Carey. I've been married for 23 years now to, to Jodell Carey. He has been teaching and coaching all of that time. He's been a head coach slash athletic director and athletic coordinator now for the last 10 years, um, depending on where our move is, if he's the AD or the, or the AC. And um, we have two girls. We're empty nesters now, though, so the two girls mm -hmm. don't live at home. One's at AM, and she's a sophomore, and the other one is actually up in Missouri in a grad program. She graduated from AM in May. And we have two dogs, so we are all four Aggies, and the girls are actually going into sports-related careers, so we're just a coaching family, big time. Um, my youngest is at A&M, and she's actually still playing club soccer for A&M, so she's still, I'm still getting to watch some soccer, yeah. as well as being an empty nester, so it's kind of fun. Joe, I met Joe back at A&M, and he told me that he was going to be a football coach. 
I really said, sure, I'm, I'm down, you know, whatever. And he was like, well, do you really know what that means? I was like, yeah, I played sports my whole life. I'm good. I'm down with it. So we got engaged and got married and whoa, I really did not know what that meant to be married to a football coach. Um, but it was, it's been fun. It's been a fun ride. And I don't think I would change anything. Well, I know I wouldn't change anything about my life. I mean, it's been, it's been really fun. I, the first 10 years I, I coached as well. So then life with kids got in the way and I became a mom. I hung up my coaching shoes and haven't coached since, but it's been fun hanging out and coaching a little bit when my girls only soccer, I won't coach anything else, but it was fun coaching the, the girls in soccer when they were little. But other than that, I'm, I'm now I'm just a, a math content specialist and I support math teachers at the same high school where my husband is. And even though we work on the same campus, we never see each other. I mean, we're on opposite ends. The last, I don't even know if we've ever been on the same end. Because even when he taught classes, he was English and I was math. So uh -oh. we've never really worked together, even though we've been on the same campus. So it works for us. Yeah. Things are good. It's interesting. Some of the parallels, I'm sure Rochelle will talk about some of those, but uh, <laughs> they are, uh, there are some very interesting parallels to our, our lives. Rochelle, how about you? Okay, so this is kind of weird because I'm telling you the story of being your wife. But anyway, okay, so um, <laughs> Jay and I met in high school. I was a senior. He was a junior. We worked at um, a grocery store together. And so he came to my house one day after school and said, hey, I think I'm going to join the Army. And I was like, um, I think that we're going to have to get married first. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so... Um, Really, I've just been following him around in whatever career he was in at the time. So after he did his stint, and he actually went Air Force, not Army. He did his stint in the Air Force, then he got out and then did a little couple other things before he got his degree and became the, the coach that he wanted to be. He was coaching little, I don't even know what you call it, Little League when he was in the military. So once he got his degree, he started out in Lampasas and I, I was still working on getting my degree. A couple years later, I got my degree. We moved back to East Texas and um, I started teaching and I've just kind of been following him around since then. We have three kids. We're, they're all out of the house. We're empty nesters as well, which is amazing. Um, <laughs> our oldest is um, Jason. He's in the, he was in the Army, but he's now going to college, and his wife is still in the Army, and they've got a couple, of, a couple of boys, which is really fun. Grandchildren are the best. Our daughter Emily is married and has two daughters so we have two boys with jace two girls with emily and um, she's married to jace's best friend from high school and they're in virginia because tyler's in the navy and then kylie is our baby and she stayed behind in waco when we moved here she didn't want to follow us because she met the love of her life there in waco <laughs> Um, and so we are just living the empty nest life, which is pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Perfect. So now you can see kind of the parallels where all of our kids collectively are off doing their thing and we are living our best life now. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So let's talk a little bit of what it's like to be a coach's wife. And I think the kind of the point with this conversation is is not so that myself and coach Carrie get all the information that we need to be better although that will come <laughs> I think it's it's I think it's an important conversation so that 
wives understand that some of the things that they go through is normal and maybe some advice, but, but more so the coaches that listen, understand kind of what's happening at home, because I, I feel like some of this will, will cross over and it's just good for us to know. Uh, Cause I will tell you, it's pretty unique. Christy, you said y'all have been married 23 years and mm-hmm. we will have been married for 30 years this June. I don't think that that's normal in, in our profession. So, you know, I think it's important for everybody to have an understanding and, and know that they have some places to go. So, all right, let's talk about being a coach's wife. And Christy, let's start with you on this one. In your opinion, what is the toughest part of being a coach's wife? Well, when I had, it's crazy because when I think about that question, it's, I had two different, I had two seasons being a coach's wife. I had one with kids and now I'm living one without. Oh yeah. And so when I had kids and it kind of, it, it kind of falls into, to me being an empty nester, but especially when I had kids, it was the beginning of the season was the toughest and the end of the season. Because at the beginning of the season, we're used to having him home all summer and playing with us and swimming with us and taking us places and cooking dinner together and eating as a family at the table. I mean, the summers were awesome, right? And then all of a sudden, August comes and it is not a gradual release. It's (laughs) by see you later, seven days a week, 12 to 16 hours a day, and he's gone. And so our little world, especially the girls, was just rocked, you know, every beginning of our end of really the end of July coaching school did it um, when Joe would go to coaching school. Yeah. But, and then all of a sudden you get our routine and everything's good in the world and we're going to football games and we know what, I mean, we just have our little routine going and all of a sudden football season ends and he's back <laughs> and he's messing with our routine. <laughs> so it becomes tough all over again <laughs> because then it's more the kids are happy, but now I'm a little irritated because you're back. And this is not the routine that I have with the girls and you need to adhere to us. So it was a lot of communication (laughs) big time during those two times of year because it's gone and then he's back. And so to me, that was the toughest part of being the coach's wife. Um, But now that the girls are gone and graduated and now the toughest part is being lonely. Mm -hmm. I went from go, 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 go with all the kids sports. The girls were in so many different sports. And causing me to hang up my coaching shoes because I was just everywhere with the girls trying to be both parents at all the things, um, especially on Saturdays. And now it just, I mean, it's done. And so I got another dog because I was lonely. (laughs) So now we have two dogs. (laughs) So it's that now that's actually become the toughest part is the girls aren't here and Joe leaves and it's, Empty nester is fun, but not during football season. It's just not. So I, I'm starting to rely now on coaches' wives. Being the head coach's wife, I'm relying on mother coaches' wives. Hey, what you want to do? Hey, you want to get together? Hey, because it's just, you know, it's a different time of life. It's just crazy. Yeah, maybe I need to just um, get you a coaching job in 24, 25, and you can fill some of that <laughs> that empty time that you have while Joe Dale's coaching. <laughs> I've honestly thought about it. I've honest, honestly, but you would have to be my boss and not Joe. I ain't working for him. That's funny. All right, Rochelle. I ain't answering to that guy. I'll answer to you, but I won't answer to him. Yeah. So, So this is where the, the, the answers may be a little bit of the same, but may also be a little bit different and, and you can take it however you want. But 
Rochelle's had the experience as a coach and as just a standalone AD. So I, I don't currently coach anymore. I'm just the AD, not just the just. AD, but there, there is some <laughs> difference because Christy, you have been the wife of an AD slash head football coach. Football has always right. been there. Uh, the difference now is I'm not coaching a, a specific sport. So th there may be some differences in your answers on, on that. Maybe not. So Rochelle, in your opinion, what's the toughest part of being a coach's wife? So I think for me, the, the hardest part was all of the time away because you were, you were a soccer coach, but you always had a second sport and that second sport took up a lot of time, whether it was football early in your career or even early, early, I think you did football and volleyball maybe. And it was a lot of time away. And it was, again, me with the kids doing all of the things, you know, and I, I can remember a lot of arguments about, but you're not helping and, and seeing now <laughs> all of the stuff that you, you did at work, it was just, you know, just being young and, and a lot of it was just because I was a single parent at that point, you know, because he was always away and that was so hard. But as the kids got older, it was, I think it became easier just because they were a little more self-sufficient. But now it's just, it's completely different because you, you aren't coaching specific sports, but you go to so many things. I wouldn't say, I don't know, Christy, this may sound bad. I, I don't feel lonely that he's gone a lot. <laughs> Sorry, Jay. Um, <laughs> Oh, I know. She has her books. <laughs> but I read a whole lot. Well, you got to remember, my, my empty nesting is, is pretty new. So this year was a lot better than last. That's and I true. think it'll get better. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Rochelle, now Rochelle now enjoys the fact that I'm gone because the house is quiet and she can read uninterrupted. It is true. It is true. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we do have to make our date nights, you know, what... What game are we going to go see tonight? So there's that aspect of it as well, which is kind of different. Um, we've been doing that for what? How long have you been AD, assistant AD? Six, uh, eight years? No, it's like going that? on nine or 10. I can't remember. Since, <sighs> it's a long time. Of since date 14. Nights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> date nights being um, what game are we going to go see and what food are we going to get in the process? Because as long as I get food, I'm good. Um, yeah. But yeah. And one of the things, I guess, Christy, so our kids, when I started coaching, Jace was our, he was our oldest and he was going into kindergarten and then our two daughters were younger. So how old were y'all's when y'all got started or were y'all started we, and then had kids? Yeah, we actually started our first uh, interview. We were engaged. Oh, okay. We actually interviewed together in the same room and we were in the, we were engaged. And I remember the principal saying, you know, Joe was getting a coach. He was interviewing for coach slash English and I was just interviewing for math. And I remember the principal saying, well, we have a girl spot open too. What do you think? Have you, do you have any experience in sports? And I was like, well, yeah, I've played sports. Um, I, sure. I thought, what else am I going to do? Newly yeah. married and have no kids. And so we, I was actually, when I went into labor, I was, I had a soccer game that night, got home around midnight, <laughs> two o'clock. I went into labor to at 2 a.m. So, I mean, I coached up until I had the girls. Wow. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a little different for us. I didn't yeah. have kids. This is all I've ever known. Yeah, it probably doesn't change the dynamic of, okay, now we have kids and we're doing this career. But having 
no experience in the career, starting with it fresh and then having the three little ones and leaving you at the house was probably a little bit different than having some experience about what life was like as a teacher coach without kids and then getting it started. Either way, I right. still would have been gone. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely. Now, we'll say we don't remember a lot about that time because we had Avery after a year and a half of marriage. I mean, we were only, yeah. you know, kidless for a year and a half. So it's hard to even remember us without kids. <laughs> yeah. Plus, I think we try to. Uh, block out some of the the hard times and so it's it's just kind of like oh we're just going doing what we got to do right right I know it you know Rochelle you mentioned um it's hard being that single parent and you know Jay's question was what was the toughest part so I was trying to think of just the toughest part um within our marriage but I, I agree with you about being a single you're almost like a single wife I know oxymoron yeah. but you're almost like a single wife with, with kids at home and it's hard. It, it's hard. And it's a lot of adjusting to do and you, you got to be built for it. You, you definitely have to be, have to be made for this. Yeah. Or you got to yeah. build it up real quick because <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely, <laughs> yeah, it's happening. So you may as well figure it out. So Absolutely. Uh, this is not on the list, but I'm going to ask it because I think it's relevant. So a lot of time away doing coaching and meetings and all of the stuff and, and games, how often, how routine was it to come home and then immediately start working again from home? That that was hard. I, I'm glad that I had to do it in my younger years. I mean, me being in my late 40s now, I, I, whew, I, you know, it's now that I'm so involved with my coach's wives on Joe's staff and I see all the littles, it brings back all these just flood of memories I mean, I must have had a lot of energy because I was even working out. I'd get up and go do CrossFit in the mornings before I'd go to work, go to work all day being a math teacher, come home, get the kids snack, 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 and out the door because we had soccer practice and volleyball practice or, you know, whatever the kids were involved in at that time. And then we're eating dinner on the fly sometimes, or I'd come home and zap something quick. It was a lot of cooking and prepping on the weekends as far as meals went because it was just go, go, go and hectic. Yep. Yeah, but I had a lot of energy. I must have. I don't know how I did it, honestly. I don't know how I did it. That's funny. There was definitely no meal prepping on the weekend for me. It was all like, what McDonald's Sonic Taco Bueno are we getting tonight? <laughs> and, but the I'm not gonna just, lie, there was some of that too. Oh yeah. Just the the having to get get off of work, come home. And immediately make sure the kids get their homework done and you've got to help this one with their sight words and you've got to help this one with, you know, make sure they're reading. And it's just, you know, it's, it was a lot and you really didn't get any downtime because you were home alone with the kids all the time. Plus you got to feed them something and get them into bed at a (laughs) decent time so that they can get up and do whatever they got to do the next day. But for me, like my son was in sports but the girls really didn't do a lot of extracurriculars so I think that kind of helped me a lot because they I didn't have to run them a lot of places it was just Jace getting him to I think he only did soccer outside of school so so that kind of helped us out a little bit okay Christy what advice do you have for the families of football coaches on game days Um, now this is a hard one because earlier in our marriage, Joe, and I had issues with this. Well, I had issues. Joe did not. He had to communicate this to me, but it's really best to leave him alone on game days, especially when he became a head coach, 
that even when he was an assistant, um, the head coaches he worked for, like Tim Buchanan at Alito and David Wetzel at San Antonio Reagan, I mean, he worked for some pretty um, Ross Rogers at Harker Heights. It, he worked for, not not in a bad way, they were very demanding coaches, which was great because they're amazing coaches, but they were demanding a lot of him. And then I didn't want to be the one that demanded a lot from him at home during those day, those game days. So I did my best to completely reserve those days. That was him. That was him and his day. And I stayed my, I guess my biggest advice is stay to the end of the game. It's hard with little ones and you want them to go to bed early, but I got to where, no, we're not leaving. You can be fussy and fussy. And boy, I had my big old pack of markers and cars <laughs> and all stuff to play in the, on the stands and the, during the games. And I mean, I tried to keep my girls as busy as possible. Cause you know, we didn't have cell phones weren't very big back, you know, when the girls were little, little, but um, there was nothing to keep them busy up in those stands. So I just packed a big old bunch. And then after the game, I love seeing them run on the field, mm. give daddy the biggest hug. We haven't seen him all day. It was just, it, I think that just means a lot being that support for that coach, because I always had to keep in the back of my mind, he is doing the work he has led to do. And sometimes it's, it's bigger than just me and the girls. It's, it's molding and shaping young men's lives to be great dads and um, dads and brothers and sons and uncles. And, and just to see, I wanted those football players to see the love in our family, especially with me and the girls. And so to run on that field on Friday nights and give daddy the biggest hug around his neck, I think it meant the world to Joe and meant the world to me. Um, but I left him alone on game days until after the game was over. Now, I will say on Fridays, there was always a donut shop in town. And wherever we moved, there's always a donut shop. And so we always had donut Fridays. Joe would, because that's the mornings that Joe didn't have to be at the work, at the field house very early. You know, it's a game day. So he would take the girls to school. But before he took them to school, they went and had donuts with each other. Hmm. Joe and the girls. So Joe ate donuts every Friday. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, but he did. And the girls, they'll still talk. I mean, they're 21 and 20, or 20 and 22 years old, and they'll still tell you about Donut Fridays with dad. And it wow. was game day. And so he got to spend some time with them, just him and the girls, which was important to me. All by myself, like what like Rochelle likes. I had my little quiet time. I got ready and peace, and I got to go straight to the high school and not worry about bringing them to their elementary school. And it just, it worked for us. He had their time with him in the mornings and we left daddy alone most of the day, all day long um, until we saw him that night on game days. And so the, yeah, the biggest advice is try to leave him alone. Let, let that be, that's, that's, that's a pretty important and demanding job, whether you're the head coach or an assistant game days are, whew, they're pretty sacred around here. And so we try to do best to maybe text him and say, praying for you. Good luck tonight. And that's about it. That's, that's all the contact I would give him. Um, unless he contacted me, I'd let, I kind of leave him alone. Gotcha. Rochelle. She's so much nicer than me. I can just see, <laughs> I can just imagine the text messages I might've sent to you on game days. Yeah. And so if I didn't respond, different. she'd come home with a dog. Yes. I There's would. a whole story about our dog. <laughs> so we might have to get into how we got our dog when that's another question. All right. Rochelle, anything different with advice for families of coaches well, although it's a smaller group, but soccer coaches. Yeah. So, so soccer coaches, I mean, you don't have that big group 
Um, so it's a little different, but as far as like the families of soccer coaches, I would just say, you know, be there to support them, which is really difficult because soccer season is really, really cold, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, just, just try to be there, go to the games. I I think I probably only stayed to halftime if I'm being completely honest, because it was really cold. Um, and I don't do cold, but, but I think, I think just be there to support them and yeah, talk about, because I thought one of you would say this, and I think this is important. Both of you will be like, oh, yeah, I should have said that. Talk about <laughs> proximity and w- when you go to a games, where's best to sit oh, and see. all of the things that go into your ears that just drive <clears throat> you mad because, you know, there, there's a there's a phrase, you can't fix stupid. Um, <laughs> and, and, and sometimes, you know, you've got your kids. Mm-hmm. And so talk about a little bit about... Yeah, I wasn't going to go there. But. No, that's what this is for. I don't, I don't, it's my <laughs> <But> podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely, um, for most of your coaching, I stayed away from the fans. Like I would sit off by myself. Um, I, I remember at one point when you had moved, because in Kennedale, like I had a real good relationship with most yeah. of the parents. So I didn't have that issue in Kennedale. But when he moved to a different district um, and I stayed in Kennedale, I didn't get that relationship with those no. with those parents. Mm-hmm. And so it was there were a couple of different times where one time I you know spoke to a student who was mouthing about how she hated Coach Seller. And I was like, you know what? That's their dad. Can you not? Um, and j- just left it at that. But then there was a parent who... Um, definitely went off on me one night because I asked her, you know, just to like not complain about the coach because he's standing out there doing what, you know, volunteering his time and she wasn't having it. (laughs) So there was a little bit of a issue and we, I learned then just stay away, just sit far away from them if at all possible. Yeah, we had some conversations on that one. Just you just got to be far. And soccer's hard, you know this, Christy, because the crowd's not big. Quiet. Uh, it's very quiet, so you can hear everything. And if you got your kids with you, and and really, even if you don't have kids with you, it, you know, when you hear things in the stands and they're negative, <laughs> they, you know, they don't feel great. So, it, you know, talk about you know football's a lot different because there's a lot of people there, but it doesn't mean that you don't hear stuff. So talk about your experience and over the years, where have you found that that works the best for y'all or how do you just, how do you just deal with it? So it doesn't eat you up. Well, right out of college, I had a great, we were, we worked for Ross Rogers right out of college and Phyllis, his wife was an amazing head coach's wife. And so since, I mean, day one, we have sat in, I mean, nosebleed straight to the top. And the only time that I haven't gotten to sit at the top is if we're in a way we're the away team and the stands are small and I don't get there early enough. And then I'm stuck in the middle and at a football game. Yeah. I think it's a little better than being at a soccer game as far as the noise, but it's always the people behind you that you're going to hear. And there are times that they'll complain about the play calling or they'll complain about this or complain about that. And I'm fine with them complaining uh, because I, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I don't know why that 
that the complaining didn't really bother me about, you know, if Joe was calling plays and he didn't call the right play. Yeah, it would irritate me. And I found out who it was. And I'd tell Joe after the game, so-and-so's complaining about your play calling up in the stands. I was always the narc. But, um, but it's when they start, when they make it personal. Yeah. Right. Like when they name call coaches or name call kids or they make it personal towards the coach and the football players. That's when I could feel Mama Bear coming out, even though I've never really had an issue. Um, I'm, a, I'm a very, I hate to say I'm passive aggressive. I'm a little passive aggressive, I think. There was one time we were coming down. We had lost a game. And we were coming out of the stands and these two men were talking about how the coaches were just idiots. Like this is the worst coaching I've ever seen. And my girls heard mm. and they both, they both, they were walking in front of me and they both turned around and looked at me like almost in tears. And so I said pretty loudly for the men to hear, it's okay, baby. You know what? Your dad is out there and he gives his 110% and not everybody's going to agree with them, but he's doing the best for those kids. And he loves those football players and he's a great role model for the football players. And it didn't go our way this time, but we're going to get back at it on Monday. And they're going to try again for next week. And those two men turned around. And I think they figured out that they put their foot in their mouth. <laughs> and, um, yeah, since then, we kind of really, we let the, we let the, either we go down early or we let the stands clear out and we yeah. waited for everyone to leave. I, I learned my lesson with that. Yeah. yeah. So we sit in nosebleeds. We, we try to make go all the way to the top. And we just cheer as loud as we can and try not to hear anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I think Rochelle's experience was my last official yeah. coaching game other than the interim year. Yeah. But it, that I was think, that was a doozy. I think another thing that I made sure that I did early on was I let the kids go down to the to the fence line and yell for daddy so that the people around would kind of see, oh, okay. So that they didn't know me because I was, you know, because they don't know me. I'm, yeah. I don't work that's at that smart. school. They would at least know that, hey, that's his kids. And so I feel like maybe that might have helped. I don't really know. But but they always definitely went and got daddy's attention. So <laughs> yeah. that's a good idea. That's a great idea. And that we're, you're right, because we were in different districts. And, and when we were in the same district, it was a little bit different. But that doesn't mean that crazy is not going to happen because it, it's everywhere. <laughs> so, Chris, yeah. you, you talked about having a great mentor wife early on. So, so talk about the role of, of the head coach's wife and leading the rest of the football wives and, and just the importance of that, especially, you know, some of them are just getting started with their family. Uh, and and then there's others who are just like you guys and, and their families are off. So just talk about the, some of the things that, that occur that you do that you think your role of that of that leader of the of the wives is. I think one of the most important things is um, because there is such an age difference. There's an age gap. It's going from you've got to unite the the kids or not the kids. You've got to unite the, the wives. So. Um, we have a big staff kickoff, like football staff kickoff party, the end of July. We usually do it between coaching school and first day of practice. We'll do a big potluck at the house. Um, we try to buy houses every time we move with a swimming pool. I know that doesn't always work out, but we throw, we know, we, we, we house everybody. I mean, we invite everybody and everybody brings a dish and I tell them what I'm cooking, the big main course, and everybody brings what they want and um, desserts. And we just, 
it's laid back. It's fun. I usually pull all the wives into the, uh, at, here at Bwood, there's, at Brazoswood, how many, what, there's 15 of us? Oh, no, there's 16 of us. There's 16 wives, because if you count, we've got a girlfriend and, um, and a, a fiance. So we pull those. them on the house and I tell them, I know it's almost wife, right? We still treat them. I mean, whether they're girlfriends or their wives, we're all one big happy family. Exactly. And um, we pull them all in the living room and we sign up for, we cook for the the husbands every Saturday morning because they're up there early, early Saturday mornings. And so we, they sign up for a Saturday or two with a partner. And um, then I have them, I tell them, hey, I'm hosting, I host everybody after home games. So everybody comes over to eat and any wives and kids and everybody, whoever wants to come. And so I tell them what I'm cooking on what night and they can bring what they want. And we try to do as much as we can like that um, with the breakfast schedule and the hosting Friday night home games. Um, even for sub varsity games, we meet and have dinner uh, before the varsity sub games, or we just grab dinner on the way and meet at the field house or meet up in the stands and we eat um, during sub varsity, whether it's freshman, JV or both. I mean, we, we try to do that. And then varsity, if it's away games, we'll carpool. So we'll all meet over here at my house or meet somewhere kind of in a center location, central location, and we'll go to dinner and then we'll head off to the game. Um, so we've done those kind of things. We've even had baby showers for those that are expecting, whether it's their first, second, third, or fourth kid, I'll have a baby shower no matter what to try to help them out. And then we'll do a meal train um, to cook for those wives. But I think the more you do with them, um, the better, because the more you do, those young wives start to connect and build those relationships, um, and we have that. And then some of the older wives like me, I've kind of bonded with some of the ones that are empty nesters, and it works. And I've even bonded with some of the ones with little kids. You know, one day after school, if I'm too lonely, I've gone over to our offensive coordinator's, his wife's house, just to hang out with her and the kids, because she's kind of lonely. She needed help with the kids. Um, there are other times that Joe and I have gone over to coaches' houses and we babysat kids so a coach and his wife could go to dinner together. Mm. Um, just little stuff like that. We try to do as much as we can um, in season um, and really outside of season, too. It's harder in the summers because everybody's off and doing their own thing. Yeah. But if, if they're in town and we want to have everybody over, we want to go meet at dip for dinner somewhere, we'll we'll definitely send the, send the text out. But the more you do with your coaches, you know, the staffs, the better. Um, so Phyllis Rogers was great. Great head coach's wife. She was amazing. And then Tim Buchanan's wife, she was just as amazing, but she didn't do a lot of it. And so um, it was a different, there were different roles. There are different ways to really organize the coaches' wives. And I pulled stuff from both wives. Um, the one thing that Buchanan, she, I mean, she didn't like to do a lot. She did the big kickoff party and the big end of end of season party. Um, and we did breakfast schedules, but hosting Friday nights, I mean, she just, she was so tired and she had little kids and it was just hard for her to do that. And I completely understood that. And sometimes I would just call and say, I bonded with a coach's wife. Hey, y'all want to go grab dinner after the game? Y'all want to come over and grab a snack, you know, after the game. And so even as an assistant, I tried to do some things because, it gets lonely. It just, it, it gets, it gets pretty lonely when your husband's gone, you're in a new town, you don't know a lot of people, you don't have roots there because you move around so much. Um, 
you really have to lean on those coaches' wives. And so as a head coach's wife now, I guess the last 10 years, I try to do, I just remember how it felt when I was a young coach or you know, when I was a young coach's wife with little kids. So I try to do as much as I can to kind of unify and unite and kind of build those relationships with those wives so they can they can in turn build relationships with each other. They get together all the time without me. Hey, have at it. All you little, y'all want to have a big old play date? <laughs> That's fine with me. <laughs> I don't need to be at a play date. Right. But sometimes I, I do go. Sometimes I do go to the play date. I mean, it's fun to play with little kids and, you know, I'm a kid person, but, but that's really, you know, leading the football wives. We all sit together up in the stands and we all go down together after the game is over. And it's just, it's really neat. Uh, I think most everywhere we've ever been, they know that when the coaches wives leave the stadium, because they all see us on the field after the game and hugging. And I think that's, that's important for them to see their son's position coach, you know, loving on their families. And so I try to, I do that for the wives. Hey, let's all go down. We're, you know, the game's about over. Let's head down and let's go see dads. And some of these younger women, they don't, they're like, oh my gosh, we're going to go on the field. Oh my gosh, we're going to get to see dad. Oh my, they're just, they're not used to that. And so, you know, I just try to, you want to be as present as possible in the community because football is so big. Yep. So we try to go down there, go down there and hug our, hug our husbands after the game. Absolutely. That's just some of the things I do with them. Yeah. No, that's good. Okay. (laughs) Um, Rochelle, let's start with you on this one. Uh, If you could give just one piece of advice to other spouses, what would it be? Okay. So this kind of, I was thinking about this as Christy was talking about her mentor um, being the the lead uh, coach's wife there for football. Um, because I didn't have that as mm-hmm. a soccer coach's wife. There were, there were no other wives because most of the time you coached both, both teams or, you know, whatever. But I think you just have to have your support system, whatever it is, whoever it is. For me, it was a couple of teacher friends and we would meet before, before football games because Jay was coaching football, but we didn't have that, that coach's wives mentality at that, at that school. So we would meet, go eat, go hang out at the game until, you know, until the game is over, whatever. Um, but I think you just have to have your support system and find it wherever you can, because you are usually not near family, you know? And so like my supports, my, what I was used to having a support system was always at least an hour and a half away. Um, and so we did have to, to find friends that we could depend on that, that would, you know, lead that, lend that help that when we needed it. That's yeah. what I got. How about yeah. you, Christy? I, I agree that the support's got to be there. Um, have, you know, we move around so much and there's no family around. That's why I try to get those coaches wives together, but to be even piggyback on that, not just that support system, but the communication, the loving communication that has to happen between you and your coach has got to, has got to be there. You know, he, he, it, football is so demand. Well, any coach, just coaching period is so demanding and you, you being so demanding in turn, it, it, there needs to be a balance. He doesn't need to forget about you, but you definitely have to be respectful of his job as well. And so there's just a loving way to communicate that because Joe and I have had our, our fair share of, uh, of talks about when he comes home and pays a lot of attention to the girls and then the girls go to bed and he's zapped and he just wants to sit down and watch 
an early college football game on TV, it's like, hello, <laughs> now give me some attention. Like, ask me how my day was kind of thing. And so there's been some pretty hard conversations. And so the communication definitely, it could have went sideways, but um, to just to communicate in a loving way that your needs also need to be met and be respectful of his his as well, because the job is so demanding. Give grace, just sure. give grace. <laughs> whether he's whether he's an assistant coach or a head coach or an athletic director or an athletic coordinator, oh, I have to remind myself to give grace. It's hard sometimes. Rochelle may have a piggyback because I feel yeah. like I was really bad <laughs> at what you just said. I feel like I'm better now than I was yeah. when I was coaching. Yeah, definitely. I feel like you were always in the zone when it was your season, you were in the zone and there wasn't a whole lot of like coming, coming home and paying attention to, to me for sure. But also there wasn't always a whole lot of communication via the cell phone. Um, which is why we have a which dog. Which is why we have a dog because he didn't answer the text <laughs> message when I asked him if we could have him. Um, so <laughs> in, in fairness, since we're on this topic right. now, in fairness, I was in practice, and Doesn't Rochelle matter. knows that I did not have my phone in practice. So now we have a dog who's, what, 12 or 13 yeah, years old? He's, yeah, he's been with us a long time. Anyhow, go ahead. That's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, the communication is is important, and I think... I think you, it, it's all about your maturity level too. And so I think with you being a, a great mentor to your, to your coach's wives, um, it kind of helps them see, because I didn't have that. And I feel like I was probably a lot harder on Jay than I, than I should have been. But also I was at home with the kids all the time and I really just wanted that attention, you know? So, so it, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I might have benefited from a Christy Carey when I was a young coach's wife. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like I said, Joe and I had our fair share of talks. I promise. Well, and I will, from the, yeah, from the coach's standpoint, I can tell you looking back, I know in season, in soccer season specifically, not necessarily my second sport. It might have happened some, but for sure in soccer season. Just because my car was in the parking lot and I was in the house did not mean I was home. So I worked a lot uh, even when I was home. So so there's that piece from our standpoint. What I think I learned later on was it, it's somewhat different now. Like I can leave work at work, but there are times where I still in this job, I, and, and Rochelle gets it. You know, sometimes I just have to answer the phone, but I think I do leave work at work more often than I used to. Possibly, possibly. <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe we'll have a we'll have a talk about this so I know where I stand. <laughs> so, anyhow, that's the the goal is anyway to to understand when we're at work and when we're at home. So clearly, I need to work on that still. <laughs> okay, so we should probably move on from that get myself in trouble in my own podcast so okay uh same question but what advice would you give to coaches that are listening so that it would have an impact on the the total home life i'm glad you asked this i'm so glad we're open ears my favorite question (laughs) well i would say plan a date night plan a spontaneous date night and then include a babysitter if you've got kids at home 
um, that will go a long way with her. I think um, I would even include some time to herself. You take the kids and you go do something fun with them and let her go get a pedicure or go shopping a little bit just by herself or with the girls have a little girl time um, kind of without the kids. But probably the most important is just words of affirmation. Let her know how much you appreciate her and what she's doing for for the family to kind of keep things, you know, holding the fort down, so to speak. You know, it's hard because you become the person who takes the trash out and pays the bills and cooks and cleans and you become you become a lot. And I think that um, they're so focused. Joe is so focused on football during the season that he kind of forgot, I think, sometimes um, how much work that I was doing. Now he's better. Whoa. Now he tells me all the time. Wow, Christy, you know, I because I, I think he's seeing other coaches wives and how they're just struggling with because her husband's come and talk about it. And it's it's a hard it's it's a hard balance. And it took us a long time to get there. But words of affirmation even go a long way with your wives. Big, huge, big words of affirmation. But definitely plan date nights so it can just be you and her and no interruptions and no kids. Yeah, I love the date night um, idea, but the words of affirmation really, it goes a long way. Um, And not to dig on Jay, but he wasn't Mm. great at that when we were were younger for sure, but he's gotten a lot better. It's not normally like necessarily directly to me, but I can tell through, you know, posts that he makes or things that he says on this podcast um, that make me see that, oh, he does see all that I do, you know? <laughs> um, and so I feel like, I feel like that really does go a long way to, to help those, those wives feel valued. Yeah, good work. <laughs> Important, valued. Any of those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm bad. I know I, sometimes, I really sometimes we had to there, there were sometimes we had to wait till uh, the football banquet and Joe would tell everybody at the banquet on a microphone how much he appreciated me. Well, it would make me cry. He didn't tell me all season and he's telling me like in front of all these people. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes we forget too. So yeah, he's getting better. You're right, Richard. Like with age, Rochelle, it's it's getting better. The yeah. older he gets, he's getting, he's getting better at it. <laughs> It's amazing what happens with age, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay. So collectively, we've all moved quite a few times. We won't sit here and count and compare numbers and see who's got the most moves. But fair to say we have had our fair share of moves throughout our careers, uh, myself and and Jodell, which means we're moving a family. Talk about some of the hardships of following your husband from one place to another while advancing his career. Christy, let's start with you. It's really hard to, first off, I guess one of the pluses is having friends all over the state of Texas. I mean, I have so many friends that um, I kind of keep in touch with and through social media and texting, whatnot. But yeah, I have all these friends all over the state, but I don't have a tight knit group that I'd say, hey, let's go for a girls weekend here. Let's go here. I don't have that really close relationship. I mean, there are girls that I could probably say, Hey, y'all want to do a girls weekend? They probably would, but I don't know. I I just don't have 
that, that, that's hard. Or if there was a woman that, um, or a group or even a church that I just fell in love with and got to be close with and, and then all of a sudden we're moving again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would have to leave those people that I got so close with or those coworkers. Oh my goodness. Like there's so many math teachers that I just miss and I would love to see and talk to again. Um, that part's hard as well, but I think the hardest thing, the most difficult is, you know, he's, he's moved me around and then I don't know very many people. And so there's not very many people I can trust now that he's a head coach, including like, I can't vent. I have nobody to vent to. I have no one to talk to. Um, being the head coach's wife, there's not much that I can, I can't really be negative. I've got to be the one that gets everybody together and camaraderie and, you know, but even, but especially in the community, you have to keep people at an arm's length because they're just, I, I've been burned. Um, you know, they have ulterior motives and I feel like I can trust them and I can't kind of thing. Mm. Or um, it, it's just, there's a lot that goes with moving around. Um, it's, it's trying to find those people that you trust. And as soon as you do, we're off again and we're gone to the next town. And so it's difficult. It's hard. Just, it's very lonely. It, it is pretty lonely. Every time we move, it, it's just, and I had my girls, but now I don't have my girls. And mm. so like when we moved here to Brazoswood, this, I think that's why Rochelle, I was having such a hard time because the girls are gone and I don't know anybody. Like I'm brand spanking new. No, no one. I'm very social. I'm very extroverted. And um, I just have to be careful with who I get close with. And it takes me, it takes me a little while to, to trust people and, know their intentions um, because it's hard to, it's even hard to get close to people that um, have football players that are playing football. And I've done that before and that's tough. So, and I can't, I've learned the hard way. I can't really get up close to, to you know, like a friendship, a bond with community members. Um, It's, it's really, really hard. Even when we join a church, it's hard to join Bible studies because when you have a prayer request and it has something to do with your husband's job or, your what your job as a coach's wife, it's I can't really let people in. And so that part's hard. It, it's really difficult. And so here we go again with, you know, me bonding with those coaches' wives and really finding my fit there um, with a new staff. And it's it's hard at times because there are times that Joe makes a decision and I know he made a decision because people stopped texting me and stopped calling me because of a decision that my husband has made. And so mm. It's, it's, it's tough. It's tough. I, it, it would be nice just to stay put and stay somewhere forever, you know, for the long haul, but that's not how it works. It's, it's not how it works. And being a football coach's wife and you having to win games in order for your career to keep going and keep prospering, it's moves have to happen. And that's, it, it's just the, the nature of the beast, I guess. So okay. it's tough. But it's made me very resilient. And my girls have even witnessed just, you know, the adversity that we've had to overcome. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's rewarding, but it's, yes, it does come with its hardships, especially the moving around. But like I said, I've got friends all over the state. Yeah. So (laughs) that part's fun. You know, I go I end up going to coaching school with Joe because a lot of those wives go and it's like a big reunion. It's like a family reunion, all this. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. Rochelle, what about you? For me, it was a little bit different because I was able to stay in 
in my school district when Jay left Kennedale, um, it, when we were in the DFW area, I stayed in Kennedale for 14 years um, while he moved around to a couple of different districts there. Um, and so it was a little bit different, but I definitely remember when when Jay left Kennedale and I, I think I typed up your resignation letter for you and printed it out. And I was with one of my <laughs> friends, which was also one of his soccer parents. And I was bawling as I printed out that resignation letter for him um, <laughs> because I knew that a change was about to happen. And even though I wasn't going anywhere, it was going to be different. So I'm, just the change in general, and I am not an extrovert. I'm a very introverted person and it's very difficult for me to make friends and so like moving from one school district to another and having to interview for a job (laughs) you haven't interviewed since 2006 well but just the just the thought of it let's be real (laughs) just the thought of it though is so nerve-wracking I just, and, and the new teacher orientation that you have to go to when you go to a new district, like those are the things that make me cringe. Plus not to mention the fact that I get my dream job and then my husband gets his dream job and I have to move. Um, and so, (laughs) um, it's, I mean, it's very, it's difficult to have to move around. Um, but it is, as Christy said, it is rewarding because I do have friends in so many different areas, um, that I still keep in touch with. So, but I do, I agree with you on the venting thing. You have to really watch what you say and who you say it to, and you have to be careful, you know, wherever you're at, you can't go out to dinner and talk with your friends because who knows who may be sitting behind you, you know? So you really really do have to be careful about what you say and, and just be mindful all the time. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So clarifying point, it's not necessarily the new teachers in service that's so bad. It's that walking into a space with all these people you don't know is what makes you cringe. Yes, that is the part. I wanted to clarify that part. You're right. You're right. That is the part. It's not the new teacher. It's just being the new teacher that I don't like and having to find my place and, and get to know people and get to know people because that's difficult for me. I don't like to talk to people. It's hard for me and always (laughs) has been. So (laughs) we looked at on this move and the Johnson's moved with us, which made Life for the two of us a lot easier because we're both good friends with with that couple. Yeah, that definitely Um, made my life easier. So you said you said you had to like you got your dream job. Yes, and then y'all had to move. There was oh my gosh, I'll never forget it when we we had one move, and I was the AP. I taught AP statistics all day long at Alito High School, and I was a soccer coach at Alito. Had the best job. Loved where my classroom was. Like it was awesome. And then that's when Joe went to PNG with Brandon Faircloth. And I went from teaching at a high school coaching soccer, AP kids, to teaching in a computer storage closet, seventh grade math at Cornelius Middle School. <laughs> it was awful. Like, it was a big adjustment. Now, after the first month of school, I was okay and I was getting in my groove. But you're talking about that, that you're, 
that just sparked when you were talking like that's hard yeah that's hard losing your dream job that you've worked so hard because we have I mean I start over every time I start at the bottom of the totem pole um it wasn't until after I got my master's that I became a content specialist so now it's kind of it's nice, I guess, but man, being a math teacher, I'd always start off an algebra one all the way through this. In that case, I start off seventh grade math, but it's yeah. just nuts. Yeah, that part's not fun either. Yeah, for sure. Like having that technology certification is great, but it doesn't guarantee you're going to get that technology <laughs> job. And so you've always got that English to back up with, you know, and so that's what I, I had just gotten my technology position. I had waited 12 years for that lady to retire and got that job. And then I, oh. I managed to teach that for two years and then, and then we had to move and I had to go back to teaching English. She had two <laughs> options, seventh grade English or eighth grade English. <laughs> I went with eighth grade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Good call. <laughs> but she's back in technology now. Yes, I am. Thankfully. Nice. Okay. So we're going to stay kind of all along the same topic here. And I, I think, I, I know for sure Rochelle has done this twice, or, or we have done this twice. I think y'all have too. Um, so I, talk about, okay. I just got a job or Jodell just got a job and, and you go then it's not like a, a teaching job where you wait. Okay. I, I, I interviewed in March and then I start in August. Uh, the yeah. two of our jobs you're, you're going pretty much then. Uh, but both of you are in education and have stayed behind to finish your, um, teaching year. Just talk about those when, when you get a new job and, you know, the, the husband and the coach is off at the new place and you're wrapping things up at the old place with a house and the kids or, or what have you while finishing up your job. Just kind of talk a little bit about the hardships, the hardships with that. And uh, so, Rochelle, you take this one first and then, Christy, I, I'm pretty sure you all did this at least with the last move. So you finish this up. OK, so for me, I've done this twice and it's it's been both very recently. Um, the first year was 2020, the COVID year. Um, and so that one really wasn't as big of an, like it didn't make as much of an impact because we were at home anyway. Um, so I was able to teach from my RV, you know, go down and see him and teach, teach in the RV. It was fine. Um, but when he moved here, he came, I think in, I actually got here May the 9th. So it was a shorter period. So it was a very short time. Um, and we were lucky that you had a great relationship with everybody in Robinson and like, I didn't have to deal with the, what I thought might be a negative, he left us type thing. Hmm. Um, and so that part of it was good. Um, and the kids were grown, like Kylie was still at home, but she was leaving. (laughs) And so for us, it wasn't really like, it wasn't really that difficult. Just the the selling the house part, that was hard yeah. um, because I don't do um, stress well. <laughs> and so being at home and trying to figure out how we're going to sell this house and um, take care of all of that, that was difficult for me. Um, but as far as I didn't ever have to do that with little kids, thank goodness. I don't know what I would have done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I knew you would go with the house piece and, and the packing by yourself because oh, I that was, about the packing. You, you did forget about that. I didn't, <sighs> but, um, I didn't even think about, and then Christy will go to you. I didn't even think about the, 
the position of the coach that leaves to go start in the new district and the spouse who also works in the former district is staying behind, what implications that could have for, for that one? That's a good, now we both did have good relationships in Robinson. So uh, that's really good because, and we were in different districts when I left to go to Robinson. Yeah. So uh, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Christy, how about, how about so you? So I've been doing, I've been doing this since, 2009 so every move we've made so i guess i've done it four times now and the first time i did it cameron was going into kindergarten and avery was going into second grade it's when we moved from alito to png and it was hard because we were selling a house it was awful because it was like eight said between seven and eight eight hour drive mm -hmm. because he you know pngs down in the belmont area and alito's at alito's up in the fort worth area and so there, there were, we would go several times. We would go two weeks at a time. There was one time we had to go three weeks without seeing Joe and getting ready for a house to move. And my girls became little helpers. They, they were very empathetic. They kind of knew things were changing. They were excited to be moving to a new place and it was actually close to my family. So they became little helpers and it actually worked out pretty well. Um, even when we went from PNG to Crandall, Joe became the head coach. Well, then Joe didn't come home because he, that was his first head coaching job and he was the head coach and athletic director. And that was in 2014. And the girls by that point were upper elementary, middle school age. And so again, they were great. They were a great help and we were renting at PNG. So I didn't have to do anything with selling a house. So, um, and then like you said, Rochelle, when we went from Crandall to Hondo, that was 2020 COVID and Oh yeah. We got our house show ready and we went to Hondo <laughs> and I worked from, I worked from home. I mean, I just worked from, uh, there's this little ranch house that we stayed out with and stayed out in Hondo and it was awesome. So that wasn't, that wasn't terrible. And then when we moved from Hondo to here, Cameron was a senior, she was graduating and that, that was hard. That was rough because when you have a senior and dad's missing out on all of those senior activities and senior things, it was hard on Cameron, but she's one tough cookie, but so that part, I mean, it was hard, you know, getting a house ready to sell and keeping it clean and packing and all of that was tough. But Jay, like you said, it was so hard because Joe and I've worked on the same campus for years and I was treated differently once he got a job and left. And there were there two instances where the superintendent was very, very angry that Joe was leaving not very happy and i i was treated a little differently i was treated differently um it, it was it was hard it, it was rough so it teachers were okay working with teachers in the math department they were always really kind and really supportive but sometimes the administration uh treated me a little differently because i have to stay and finish my contract and they were very mad that joe left even though it was for the betterment of our family it just, I was, it was, they knew I was gone, I guess. Well, she's on her way out the door. Yeah. So, yeah. They, you know, there was, then, then there was, I was not invited to department chair meetings or I was not invited to any kind of district leadership. Um, and, and there was one specific district I'm not going to name, but 
I was on the I was on a district leadership team and I was in I was not included in any of that. And my whole point is, hey, you leave something better than the you know, my mom always told me you leave something better than how you found it. So I was ready to push them into the next year and get everybody set up for the the person after me. But sometimes you're not allowed to do that. And your passion for your job and your passion for the teachers that you support, it becomes it becomes hard when, you know. Your husband decides you were leaving and we decided it's for a good purpose and you're not treated the same. And so it, it's, that's the roughest part. That's I'll take showing a house without Jodel any day than being treated kind of like an outcast. It was, it was hard some places. It was hard at a couple of places. Um, it was rough. Yeah. I think I, I think I lucked out with that, um, that we didn't really have that, that kind of an issue no. Like, yeah, both of the times that I left were, you know, one leaving Grapevine Colleyville to go to Robinson. I wasn't. In you that weren't district, in the district, so. but it but it would have been fine. Also, I was going from an assistant AD to an AD. I, I love the people at Grapevine Colleyville, and then Robinson was to here, and and we both had really good. And we were there for two years. We had really good friendships. She was on the junior high campus. I was on the high school campus. Uh, even though I was the district AD, I was I officed with the APs at the high school. It's kind of a unique setup. Wow! But uh, honestly, it was it was kind of fun. We we had our own little circle, and I was connected there. And then I would go across the street to the junior high. It was it was it was a it was a cool setup um, for a you know one horse for a town. Um, but we had good relationships, so you know there wasn't that piece. But I wouldn't honestly, I would not have thought about that. So the the value here is one for the coach to understand that. Hey, I'm going and doing this and we're just, we're going from, you know, plan A to a new plan A. I still have to remember that there's something back here going on. I wouldn't have thought about it. I don't think I ever did think about it. And so it's good for the coach to know that or the AD, whatever the case may be, but also kind of leaning back on what we've talked about is, is that support group and making sure that the person staying behind is good to go and has somebody to talk to. Because once again, not only are we not present we're literally not present now. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's su- that support group is huge, especially if you get into that unfortunate situation where just life becomes hard. And that's, I don't want to say it's the nature of the beast because it shouldn't be that way. Yeah, that's good stuff. All right. So this is to both of you. What advice would you give to the newlywed coaching family? So a pair of uh, either a coach or a pair of coaches who are already in the career and just getting married um, and then also to the coaches who who are in the the our coaching community, but they have kids for the first time. Having been there and done that, both either way it works out. We've we've all had, you know, we've been the the young married couple, and we've been the <laughs> youngish married couple with kids and now coaching. So, what advice do you have for those? You want to take this, Michelle, um, or you want me to go first? I'll go first. Um, so for me, like we, we went into coaching with, with kids. Right. And so it was, it was a little bit of a culture shock. Um, I think (laughs) that you just really have to, again, you have to have your support system because I think when, when we did this, this was before I set my hour and a half rule from our family. Um, and so we were three hours away from any family and I knew absolutely no one. And I wasn't teaching yet because I was still in school. And so it was, it was very, very difficult 
I was, I was still leading the life of a student. I mean, a married student, but a student. And so my friends, it was different from like as a teacher, but you, you have to find that support system. And I think we were lucky that Jay had a really good um, athletic director in when we were in Lampasas and they were supportive of, you know, him needing to come home and take care of the kids because I had class or whatever, you know, um, it was, it was just very different, but I think I, I, you can't have enough support (laughs) and that's what you really, you have to, you have to find someone to lean on and, and, and use that. And then also be that support for them as well. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, I think that there are two big things that it took me a while to learn. One is it's not just you making a sacrifice. He's actually making a sacrifice too. You know, when Joe got into this profession, he definitely didn't get in it for the money. So he got into this profession as one, he loves kids. He loves football, like kids and football and what better thing to do than to coach. And he, you know, he actually views football as just a tool. It's a tool that that basically is used to help mold um, a young man's life. And that's the way he views football. Now, he, now don't get me wrong. He loves to win um, just as much as, as the next guy. But he, I think that what's, what's really important to Joe is just the things, the life lessons and the perseverance that these kids learn and all the different, um, the things that come with playing a sport, a team sport. So that's their mindset. Their mindset is, this is bigger than just football. This is bigger. This is, you know, when you're talking about the impact you can really have on kids, he is choosing this career and he is away from his own kids and he's away from, hopefully I'm the most important person in the world, but he's away from me. And so he's making those sacrifices and you're making sacrifices as well. So it's really, really good to just be empathetic on both ends. Um, And I think that's, like I said before, it's just the communication piece that has to be there. Um, And I think, you know, when Joe and I were newlyweds and, or even young with kids, we were learning to communicate and we didn't, we didn't have everything figured out. And it was, it was hard. Our marriage was hard at the time. And now looking back on it, wow, if we would have just been more, a little, a little more empathetic on both sides and communicated the right way, I think we would have been great. So I think with all of that comes in coaches need or coaches wives, even coaches wives need to have, if you've got little kids involve them, show up to practice with a water and a snack for daddy after he's done, you know, walking off the turf, um, go to as many games as you can, even with little ones. I know it's hard to go to away games, but if you involve the kids as much as possible, any meetings he has up at the school um, that, or if he wants to go watch basketball games, Joe was a track coach was his second sport. I'd take those girls to all kinds of track meets and they watched their daddy run around that track coaching those kids. And it was just fun because they got to see daddy in action. No, daddy wasn't sitting right there playing games with them and hugging them, but they saw daddy and they saw daddy doing what daddy loves to do. And so I think the more you involve your kids, the more you get involved. Um, just like you said, Rochelle, it's that support system, whether it's another coach's wife or somebody that's not in the coaching realm, invite them to go along with you. 
it, it's just neat to, we had to involve our kids as much as we, we could. And now they're both headed in sports careers. It's just funny. They're now they're not the same sports careers. One wants to be a coach and one wants to get into the media side of sports, but they still eat, live and breathe sports and they love it. And we've loved our life, but, um, but that was me making sure that they knew exactly what daddy was doing. They, they were little gym rats when Joe coached basketball and they were little field rats when I was coaching soccer and we had them out there all the time. My, my soccer girls loved my girls and they even had a big baby shower for me when I had my second one. I mean, you just have to really get plugged in your kids with those students so they can, and it's, it's a good thing for those student athletes to see um, you reacting, bringing your kids and you reacting with the coach and letting them see what a marriage is and what it means to, you know, be a loving father. I mean, I think it's just part of it. It's part of it. I think it's really good character building for them to witness that. Yeah, I think early on when when Jay was new into coaching, I didn't see the bigger picture. Um, and I think it was because I was young and that maturity level just wasn't quite there yet. Like I didn't see that, you know, I thought he went into coaching because he loves soccer, you know, like I didn't see the bigger <laughs> picture of how he can make these these young men at the time because it was it was he was coaching boys, um, how he could make them be better. You know, like I, I didn't see the bigger picture because I was so, I've got to get my, I've got to get my homework done. I've got to get the kids homework done. I've got to get them fed. You know, like it, it was just, yeah. I was so into what I was doing that I probably wasn't a great coach's wife at the beginning. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> Well, nobody really is. Nobody's great at it. The beginning is hard. Yeah. And I think, well, I think for us, one of the differences might be because when I got out of the Air Force, I didn't go straight into to teaching. I, I only had about 60 hours of college and we had one kid and one on the way. So I went straight into full-time PI work and it was probably three years before I went back to school. So when we're talking about us starting our career, we're close to 30. Yeah, and then Rochelle I was, was, I was two years, I, two years after me. So it's, it's, it's a different, it's not like, you know, we were 23, 24 at that point. But I think part of the issue with, with what you're talking about was while I am working and or finishing school, I was coaching a, a, a club team. And so coaching was, oh, yeah. was more about the sport and yeah. not about the things that we we do with the character building and and really kind of setting them up for life after it was it, at that time it was more he's off doing a sport and yeah. fun and that probably carried over to a degree and it was you know it probably took a while to to then see kind of what that was and and but but a lot of that is you know being plugged in and it's you know we talked a lot about football versus soccer and, and really it's not football versus soccer, there's a difference between football and, and the coach's wife of a football coach and really all other, all other so sports. soccer is really no different than volleyball and basketball. And, and those you, your, your core yeah. net group is, is the same, whether it's soccer, you know, volleyball, basketball, whatever, you just don't have as big of a pool of people like what the football uh, coaches wives right. would. So it's just a little bit different. And it's different if you got, you know, if you if you got a small soccer or basketball staff and 
you know, it's Rochelle and I, well, my assistant, you know, especially late in my career when I was coaching girls is likely going to be a female coach. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have the connection because it's a, it's my wife and my assistant's husband or boyfriend or nothing, who knows? And so you, you really, it really depends when you have such a small group. The other thing I was going to mention is, you know, in kind of a advice piece, and this is for the coach and for the spouse, Rochelle mentioned an, a 90 minute rule. Really what we had was a, a 90 mile radius uh, <laughs> around her parents' house. But when, when I, when I got my degree and, and I was going to go into teaching and coaching, I applied for every head soccer position in the state of Texas. No lie. <laughs> Literally. Like I was wow. going, I was going to go work somewhere that, but, but that was like, I'm going to get a job and this is the job that yeah. I'm going after. It's history. And I'm opening for any, anything that would opened up head soccer. We were, and we were just going like, I don't know if we had a conversation to be perfectly honest with you. It was probably, Hey, I'm applying for this job cause it came open, but I just applied. Yeah. So, and we landed, ended up in Lampasas. <laughs> and honestly, I love Lampasas. Uh, love Lampasas. But Lampasas was not best for us at that time. Right. And because by the time we got there, we had three kids. And it was three hours away from Rochelle's, you know, support group and her mom and dad. So, we decided in that last spring semester together that we would agree on a 90 mile radius around Athens. So we literally had a map and drew <laughs> like a, a circle around Athens. Anything inside there wow. was fair, was fair game, yep. but that was our compromise. And that gate that yeah. got us within, you know, anywhere from, you know, an hour to an hour and a half away from her mom and dad and, and anybody else there uh, in town, but it was primarily her mom. And yeah, dad. It was my mom and dad. Uh, and that was the big help that she knew she could count on with our three young ones while I was doing the things that I was doing or if she just needed somebody. Right. So I, I, I say that to just expand that it's important because sometimes me, I just go see what job looks good for me and my career, but it may not work for the wife and the kids and, and the other extended family that I'm moving them away from. And so those things could potentially end up, with you know marital problems or a lot of things and so it it, it is probably sure. very Resentment. very that was probably the best thing we did and we did not break that 90 mile radius until we came here to Brazoswood yeah or, and by uh, then, wow, that's yeah. awesome yeah so I, I said Brazoswood but Rochelle's at Brazoswood and and yeah. I'm at you know Brazosport ISD but uh this is the first time we've been outside of that 90 mile radius since uh the fall of 2005 yeah, well, that's impressive. Yeah, that's but impressive. All of our kids are now gone. I'm too nice. We left. We left um, Kylie and Waco, and said, you know, she's still in the ninety mile out <laughs> radius, but we're gone. So anyhow, I, I say all that to say, and, and it might not be important for everyone, but you better yeah. realize early on if it is important to you, it, it's a good conversation to have. What? How far are you willing to be from home base? If you have a home base, and and just leave it there. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's too many jobs within 90 miles is, I mean, an hour and a half is nothing. I mean, you think about an right. hour and a half from where we are right now, you're, you know, you're 30 minutes North of Houston or halfway to San Antonio. That's a really big radius. Yeah. 
but 90 miles is nothing to to wake up on a Saturday morning, you know, leave the house at eight with three kids packed up and you can be at, at the in-laws, you know, by nine 30, leave by five and you're, yeah. you're at home at six 30. Like that's a good compromise. Yeah, for sure. Three hours one way. That's not a good compromise. <laughs> so anyway, that's awesome. I was doing everything I could to keep Jodell out of Lubbock. That's too far. I'm from South yeah. Texas. Like yep. I told him, I said, I'll go as far as Abilene. I am not going anywhere past Abilene. Yep. No more west and no more north. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. funny. Abilene was my Abilene, San Antonio, and then all the way, you know, all the way around. That that's as far as I was gonna go. Our yeah. radius was a little bigger. <laughs> When Jace was stationed in El Paso, we actually looked at jobs there and then, and Jace was like, dude, don't come here because I'm not staying because <laughs> he was getting out. I was yeah. like, okay, good, good call. Good call. <laughs> Cause yeah. that's a long way. And, and it's all about where you're raised and where your family is. Exactly. Lubbock is an amazing town. I mean, I love Lubbock, but when your family's in the Beaumont area, you know, my family's right east of Houston. I, I'm not, I cannot go. I cannot be in Lubbock. And my mom and my dad be all the way in the Beaumont area. I just can't do that. That's right. too far for me. Yeah. I, like I said, I love Lubbock. I love Lubbock. But I just, I was not going to be that far away from my mom. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah, full disclosure. And if Jace is listening, we don't care. Uh, had it just been <laughs> Jace in El Paso, we wouldn't have been looking to go. But Jace, his wife... Uh, that's a nice visit, but the two grandsons, now we can consider the move there. <laughs> For sure. But, it had nothing to do with necessarily Chase. It was the grandkids. <laughs> so, anyhow, now they're in Colleen, awesome. uh, about 45 minutes from our from Kylie, our daughter. So, I don't know. They're about three hours from us now, but yeah, that's kind of nice. Okay. So, let's wrap this up with somewhat of, I think, maybe is, has the potential to be fun. How is life as a coach's wife different now as an empty nester than when all the kids were still in school? I mean, we know the obvious differences. The kids aren't here, but <laughs> well, what's different now? Like, what are some fun things so, that you do now that you've not been able to do? Well, my girls were, like I said, my girls were so involved um, outside of school with all their little sports and activities. So now that they're all gone, I can make a really nice dinner, <laughs> like a really nice spread of food. I've even taken up sourdough baking, <laughs> I bake sourdough bread, and it's awesome. And I don't know, it's, I think that's the biggest thing is, or, and then I, I just had a wild hair. Well, I mean, y'all can kind of relate. I bought a Jeep. <laughs> Cameron graduates and I buy a Jeep and I love just taking a top off and driving so to the beach. It's uh, amazing. When we talk about awesome. parallel we lives. Packing up, we don't have to worry about packing up kids. Every day is date night. Every night is date night. Yeah. We can watch what we want. We can do what we want. I mean, but I will say it's lonely. So we got another dog. It, it is lonely. But um, the biggest difference is, gosh, there's just so much time. And I have not had all I've never had all this time I mean I think since Joe and I've been married because even you know when we first got married I was coaching two sports and he was coaching two sports and our two sports sometimes were off you know soccer is not even close to where football well I guess track and soccer overlapped a little bit but we were going we were on two different wavelengths even before we had kids and so I just all this time I mean so I bake sourdough and I make really nice dinners (laughs) And we want, we, we, we can go and take the top off the Jeep and out. 
dinner. We go out to dinner a little bit more because it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Kind of nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're, 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 you were talking about date night, going to all those, um, all the different sports, which, you know, Joe is an athletic coordinator of the campus feeder system. And so we go to a lot of sports too, but even on Friday nights when he's not coaching football, like if we have a bye or, well, that's date night again. Like I go to football games with Joe and we go to college football games because he only gets two free tickets and used to, it's like, well, what are we going to do with the girls? We only get two free tickets to the coaches association. Well, now. We go to all the games. <laughs> we get free tickets. We're on. We're in because we don't have the girls with us. We don't pay for them. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, the emptiness, it, like I, I have constantly said it's amazing. Like I, I didn't go through, and I think it's because mine were so, I, okay, I'm not going to lie. When Jace left home, I bawled like a baby, like a baby, a lot, but <laughs> He went in the military. I didn't get contact with him for a long time, right? Um, when Emily left home, that was my first girl, so that was hard. And she went to Virginia, right? So long way, definitely bald like a baby. Sadly, <laughs> poor Kylie. <laughs> Hope she doesn't listen to this. Um, I mean, I definitely cried when she when we left because we did leave her leave her behind and that sounds so awful but that was her choice no we didn't leave her behind she She chose chose not not to come come with with us us. yes that's what we that's how we think about it um but (laughs) but yeah like i was really ready for the for the nest to be empty um and you said you bought a jeep well um i might have bought a camaro convertible Yes. She traded in her granny car. I traded in my granny car, my mom car, (laughs) whatever you want to call it. Um, And definitely am living the life now. Um, I do love the, the idea that we can just get up and go. And Jay does have a little bit easier time of that than, than Jodell would. But I think our first year is completely empty nest. We went to Mexico three times. In a year, in one year. Um, (laughs) So just, and we haven't been back since then, but sadly, um, but yeah, (laughs) it's just like just being able to get up and go is pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. On a whim. Yeah. On a whim. whim. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Traveling has definitely been, been something that we have done differently now than what we did with the kids, but just. You know, it's just harder. It costs more money. You know, there's a lot of factors. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and now, you know, we don't have to plan. We really can just say, hey, we got a three day weekend. I don't have anything. Want right. to go wherever? So, so th- that part's nice. Where are y'all going this? Are y'all going somewhere this weekend? Uh, we have a uh, three day weekend. We're actually going to go visit <laughs> uh, her dad and my grandmother uh, in East Texas and, and probably just make a one day of it. Yeah. But, but yeah, nothing exciting this weekend other than we'll go see them. It's not to, Mexico. Got to, yeah, we're gonna do <laughs> knock out a couple of things there. But um, but yeah, it's you know it's really nice when the schedule aligns and and we can just get away. So yeah. But anyhow, well, listen. It's nice. This was awesome. Uh, it was fun. And, I, you know, I told you 40, 45 minutes, but here we are sitting at just under an hour and a half. And, uh, but I think hey, it's, it's good. good uh, and I hope, oh, yeah. I hope, 
you know, one, coaches get something out of this and, and get some insight from the two of y'all, uh, but that also uh, any coaches' wives that are out there and happen to listen because you share it, then they'll get something out of it. So that was the whole goal in this and just kind of talk and it gets kind of out of our coach's impact, but really this is well within the coach's impact, just a little bit different and, and a u- unique twist on uh, the weekly conversation for us. So thanks for taking time out. And, and I hope this helps Thanks everybody. And yeah, yeah. it was fun. This it was, was fun. Yeah. Very good. Re- reminiscing. <laughs> <laughs> for yeah. sure. Yeah.